Hey, welcome everybody. It's Who's Talking Tonight. We're beginning 2023 with uh, Frank Maloney, Habo, Dr. Bobby Call in studio, which is a special, special way to start the new year. But we thank you for joining us. Uh, I guess Wahoo faithful uh, sports fans, anybody who's just driving along, listen to 910 on the radio. We're, uh, we're happy to have you join us tonight. We have another great show tonight. As we said, Bobby Call in studio and we got Dan Bonner going to join us to talk a little hoops in the second half hour and Dr. O in the middle, Ortho, Virginia, injury report. And I said, Frank Maloney. Did I not say Frank? And I said, we're both playing hurt. Both have a little bit of the sniffles here. That's why we have a doctor in the studio tonight just to uh, administer anything we need. Thank goodness. Let's let's update um, who our guests are. First off, Bobby played football at UVA from 76 to 79. What years did Dan Bonner play? Dan Bonner uh, finished in 75, so he probably got there in 71. But he probably lettered in 72, 73. Right. Uh, he, he got there when freshmen still had to play freshman basketball. So he was, he was a teammate of mine for one year. Went to full history. was an usher in my wedding and uh, lots of things about Bonner. That's why when I call, he responds. Well, you nicknamed him uh, Bambi on Ice or whatever that time. He went chasing the loose ball and well, don't, fell, uh, fell over the chairs and the and the – Players area. Don't tell him I said this, but his nickname was Pins because when he first came <laughs> to Virginia, he wore knee pads, which was an even back in those days was an, a no no. You know, you didn't wear knee pads, so so he was Pins to a lot of us. But uh, he's become a big time TV star now, so he's he's way beyond that. But the good news, he knows a lot about college basketball and the ACC in particular, so he'll be uh, and and he's seen almost everybody that at, that's at the top of the league. <laughs> So it'll be a, a, a real asset for and, us. And he uh, called our game on Saturday down in Atlanta, so he saw the Who's over the weekend. So uh, he saw them up close and personal. Which finally the Cavaliers uh, unveiled the Cavalanche, and they went on that amazing run. They went from like 27-25 to 52-25. to Yeah, 25-0 I mean, run. Uh, Josh, was... pa- Josh Pastner was just shaking his head. Yeah, he. I, I saw his post game uh, press conference subsequently. Uh, so he he obviously was none too happy, uh, and and he's probably uh, under the gun down there in Atlanta. So he needs to turn things around. Unfortunately, we don't see them again this year. So hopefully they will. All right, Hubba, if it's okay with you, we're going to pivot to football because we have good friend Bobby Call, aka Doctor Call, to so many of his patients. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about ACC football, UVA in the a grand scheme of things, and UVA recruiting. Um, I'm going to let Bobby just give us some of his opinions. Bobby goes to almost all the games and watches many of the games and discusses the games uh, with me and others frequently, and I always feel like he has a very fresh perspective on the Cavaliers. And I, what are your general thoughts on the football program right now as it stands today? Following the recruiting hall. You know, I think it's always, you know, about potential, but then execution. Because we have, we have the, the skill positions, uh, but we need those big boys up front, don't we? The offense and defense, you know. You know, I'm really excited. I got on the 24-7 recruiting site and looked at some high school film. And, man, I tell you, Cameron uh, – Robinson, the uh, linebacker Essex. from Essex, you know, he was also played split end. I, you know, I encourage you guys out there to look at this 24-7. This guy, he is amazing. He could 
kick some butt, throw, you know. So is he a guy that might uh, play right away? Yeah, he could be. And, you know, well, he's 6'3, he's you know, he's, he's, 210. He's he, got to put some meat on. They'll, they'll, put, they'll put some muscle on him. Um, but, you know, to be fair, Anthony Poindexter, when he got to Virginia, was, you know, like 6'2, 200 pounds. Yeah. As an example. And he ended up being thicker, stronger, more powerful. Same thing will happen. Robinson is very fast. And if you're going to play outside linebacker in today's modern football, you've not only got to cover the sweep or the pitch toss, you've got to be able to drop back into coverage and chase running backs and receivers and tight ends. And well, even I know the old coaching line, you can't coach speed. You either have it or you don't. Yeah, that's right. Uh, let me ask you this. Right. You know, uh, my, my site for sports information, of course, is the Wall Street Journal, and they had an article the other day, and they talked about Michigan's turnaround, and it was really the offensive line. So, uh, and Frank, this is what, year 14? All I've heard about football is the offensive line, the offensive line. So, what, what, do we have any help coming in from the offensive line perspective? Yeah, we do. We've got Dejon Parker. He's 6'6", 300. You know, he's a transfer. Um, and this guy, I was watching – Cole Suber, this guy could put some put some people on the mat. He's 6'6", 285, and he's a guard. He's quick. He's strong. You know, I'm excited about that. But, you know, it takes a team, and it takes a long time to build an offensive line teamwork. They've got to stabilize the offensive line. The, with, with Leach and Taylor departing this year and the four guys that left last year, it's almost like they have to rebuild the offensive line over, all over again. Now – Hopefully Taylor will come back to the Cavaliers and come out of the portal. Um, I don't know the status of Logan Taylor right now, but I, I would think it would be really smart for Virginia and for the Taylor family to come to some meeting of the minds here and bring him back for at least next year and give the coaching staff um, you know, a little bit more time. Now, what does Tony Elliott and his staff have to do? Number one, Tony's got to go hire an offensive line coach. I don't know why he hadn't found one by now. I, I would, in all fairness, that bothers me more than anything with the football program right now. The minute Garrett Tujaguay left to go to NC State, Tony Elliott should have been on the phone all day, and he should have been recruiting an offensive line coach. Pay him. Now, I understand that they've been trying to get the coach at Air Force to come to Virginia. Uh, I know that Walken— well, clearly the defensive coordinator has done well, and he came from Air Force. So. Right, right, Rudzinski. So maybe Rudzinski can convince him, but pay him. Go ahead and pay him, because every day that goes by that you don't have that offensive line coach makes it harder for the assistant coaches and Tony Elliott to find offensive linemen in the portal. Because the question's going to be, well, who's your who's, offensive who's line your coach? coach? That's yes, right. I mean, That's right. I mean, you know, you know this from your, just your business practice. Yeah. If if somebody leaves, the question's going to be, well, how do we fill that void? Right. Well, right now. That's a big void. It's a big question mark. And, and I would assume now is the time that we want to be active in the portal, trying to convince these people to come. Particularly since February first or second, I can't remember which date is, is. National Signing Day. We've just had the early signing day. So the last chance to get any high school kids, whichever kids are left uh, that didn't sign early, and any um, kids that are in the transfer portal, 
they got to get them now. They've got one month. You know, and the other thing that brings up is the NIL, right? The names, images, and likeness. Yep. You know, competing with that, not only, you know, competing with your talent, but with the money. So that's a whole nother. Well, that, I mean, that that's what uh, all of college athletics is struggling with, you know, the portal and the NIL and the implications of all that. And as Frank has said, Virginia seems to be trailing a little bit in that regard from a football standpoint. Well, it's 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 very sad. The saw an interview today, uh, Narduzzi, the uh, head football coach at Pitt, was talking about tampering. That's the dirty word that nobody wants to talk about. The truth is parents and friends of the program have been turned loose by this NIL stuff. And they've all become recruiters. It used to be illegal for them to talk to anybody. If you were a donor or a, t- a season ticket holder, you couldn't talk to anybody, period. You could say hello, you could shake hands, but you couldn't Well, it's pitch funny, anybody. you know, we, we've had Dirk Katcher on the show, and he told us one night when he was on that yeah. what they used to tell the boosters absolutely not to do is all fair game now. It is, and, and unfortunately, the schools that have played by the rules the best, such as the Virginias. Are suffering. The Georgia Techs. The Wake Forest, they are suffering. Wake should have had a much better ranked recruiting class this year considering their coach is well-established and he's he's made them a competitive force in the ACC. And they won a bowl game the other night. I, I can't uh, remember who, that, who they, was. They beat Missouri. Yes. So give give him credit. You know, uh, no, he's built a – Clawson's built a terrific Dave, program Dave at Clawson, Wake Forest. He's, he's, he's a little guy, but he's smart as a whip. Their quarterback is heading out, though, right? And, you know, just like the, that's a head-scratcher, it just is. like the head-scratcher at NC State. But it could also be money, again, is yep. uh, what's causing a lot of these people to leave. Well, they're deciding it's okay to go get $200,000. And everybody's wondering, well, what about Brennan Armstrong, right? And chances uh, are he's going to head down to NC State. Yep. We're, we're hearing that. The O-line that coach is there. We're hearing that he is uh, definitely interviewing there because the O-line coach is there, the offensive coordinator is there, and – you know, for him, maybe it's a chance to now, Bobby, and, and, rebuild and I don't want his to career. Bring up bad subjects, and I realize you were a defensive guy, but was it the system that messed Brennan up this year? Because he, well, he had a bad he, year. Well, given... he didn't have time to throw. Right, he was always throwing off his back foot. So it was really uh, more was, offensive I, line than anything else. It could have been both, right? You know, he didn't have enough time protection, and it's a different scheme. But you think, hey, he could step up and throw the ball, but you know, even his passes were, you know, short off the mark, and I think because he was rushed and getting crushed. You know, it was a combination And the, re- the receivers dropped a lot of balls this year. Yeah. Let's, to be fair, yep. if they had caught 70% of the balls they dropped, just the balls they dropped. And is that just anxiety? Why are they dropping balls like I th- that? I think, I, think, I think they were all – because Brennan was throwing earlier in his mental head clock, you know, you – you know, you're counting one, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand. Ball got there Balls, sooner than they expected. Yes, he's getting. He was getting rid of it quicker, and the ball was on him so quickly. Um, who really knows? I mean, I, I'll tell you this: uh, he showed in all his interviews post games that I saw, particularly at home, uh, as a member of the media, he showed a lot of class. He never blamed anybody. He was frustrated. He wanted to play better. He wanted his team to play better. And uh, I, it saddens me that he's leaving Virginia. I know 
I think he had no choice but to go elsewhere. Well, you know, he he was a top draft pick before you know his last this past year. And yeah, now he probably he needs a he probably needs a fresh start. He needs what, a good year. What's the convert? I'm sure you have a football alumni group and a lot of folks you you played with, you talked to. What, what's the general conversation in the football family uh, about where the program is and where it's headed? Um, you know, everybody's hopeful, of course, and it's just you don't know. You just don't know. You got to have the big boys up front. Um, offense and defense. You know, we get skilled players, and the question is, can you build that offensive line? Can you, you know, can you get the defensive line and stop it? And do we have the right foot, you know, defensive scheme? You know, and I think the challenge for well, Virginia I, I, now. I is, think Virginia's defense showed market improvement this year. Yeah, no question. But I mean, offense, uh, offense took a huge step backwards. You know, you going forward. You talked earlier off air about Miami has a good recruiting class. Obviously, North Carolina recruits well. Pitts had a, a good, and, and Duke of all people. You know, they they won nine games this year if you count the bowl games. So, so, and I realize we're moving away from the the, the divisions, but still ACC football. There are is becoming, no divisions going forward. I said we're moving away from the divisions. Yeah. But uh, you know, the competition. Yep. You know the rest of the competition is getting better, so you got to yeah. you got to get better to stay right. even even. You got to recruit, and it's so much more complex now. Um, you know, we offer a great education. There's no doubt about that. But Does anybody you know, care about that these anymore? These football players want to go pro. Well, they also know. want money while they're yeah, they while they're money. playing. So that. But Miami really nailed it with that top five recruiting class. UNC's way up there. Florida State, Clemson, and then there's the other part of the pack. You know, Peck did pretty well. And then there's us, Georgia Tech, Duke, down the road a little bit. Boston College is kind of at the bottom, I think, of the recruiting class. Yeah, and it's you got to have players. You know, I mean, you have, the, you have so the greatest many. coach in the world, but you still got to have players. Got to have players. There are only so many, you know, five star, four stars, and then there are all the three stars that everybody else gets. Well, and part of the problem, if you're going to develop guys, you got to keep them a few years. And and these days, I mean, they they come, and if they're not happy, they'll leave and go somewhere else. Yeah, it makes it tougher. That's for sure. You know, um, you know, you can see in Tony Bennett's basketball team how his scheme. It takes a while for people to gel in that and learn the defensive system, play it well. You know, football's like that, especially the offensive line. You've got to know where your your compadres are. That's tough. It takes time to build it. All right, so we um, just need to remind my host and uh, guest, uh, we have got about a minute to go in this segment. Uh, looking at the offensive line, because I think we all generally recognize the issue, um, how can they ever build any kind of foundation with this you know, ebb and flow in and out of the program? At a, you know, a couple of guys decided they just didn't want to play football anymore. Um, both Leach and Divine, so there's that's like self-inflicted wound there. Uh, Logan Taylor at left tackle uh, was viewed as you know going to be a starter for the next two years. He's in the transfer portal, but I, I have seen he's he has not announced that he's gone anywhere. Um, I noticed that Sam Hartman at uh, from Wake has still not landed anywhere. Brendan Armstrong has not landed anywhere, so. You never know. People could circle back and decide they want to, you know, withdraw and return to school if the school will hold them uh, the scholarship for them. And last year was a big change, coaching-wise. It was. And people loved, uh, you know, Bronco. So it's a big change, and some people can't make that change. All right, we're going to head to our first break. Uh, we got uh, 
Dr. O joining us uh, in just a few moments with the Ortho Virginia Injury Report. Stay with us. Who's Talking continues. All right, welcome back. Uh, Who's Talking, uh, our first show in 2023. Uh, Frank and Hobbo in studio along with Dr. Bobby Call. Uh, we got Dan Bonner in the second half hour, but right now we have our Ortho Virginia Injury Report with Dr. O joining us. Uh, doctor, thanks for uh, calling in tonight. Yeah, how y'all doing? Happy New Year. Happy New yeah. Year. Um, Doc, uh, we've been following very carefully for the last month, basically, uh, all-star guard Reese Beekman's leg. And I learned through s- different sources that prior to the hamstring that was identified you know, by everybody associated with the program as being, quote, the problem, that he hyperextended that knee um, prior to that injury. And I'm wondering what rehab has to be undertaken to help Reese Beekman get back to being nearly 100%. Yeah, for sure. Well, the thing about the hamstring, people sometimes don't realize it. You know, it kind of starts off by your ischium, the bone that you sit on, but it actually extends all the way down past your knee. So a hyperextension injury of the knee could also very well involve the hamstring. So the rehab he's looking at now, and I'm glad to see he's making some progress, is, you know, kind of strengthening about that hamstring, getting the protective strength, the how you can balance back into it, and really getting the entire limb stronger and more balanced to prevent a future injury. Well, you know, um... If, if you ever hyperextended your knee playing tennis, and I did that once uh, years ago, I was, I think I was about 49, 50 years old. So about, about 30 years ago? Not quite. <laughs> <laughs> you listen to Hobbo, the old man cracking jokes on the younger man. Ah. Yeah, you know the movie uh, Solid Night? Yeah, uh, whatever. Holy Night? I, Hobbo is about to become a victim of that. Yeah. Um, all right. We could have a horror show right here a in the studio. A horror show right here. He doesn't realize I have an axe underneath the uh, studio table here. Thank um, goodness you got an allergist here. Yeah, yeah we have a doctor in studio. We have a doctor in studio. We have a doctor on the air. This is really a medical show. This is a medical show. Let me, let me ask you this, Doc. The fact that he sort of hyperextended the knee first, how does that complicate his recovery? <laughs> well, it's, it's hard to tell. I mean, we haven't gotten any report of any kind of ligament damage, so that's good. Um, it, it could potentially slow the recovery if the hamstring is kind of injured in multiple spots. It's most common to injure it kind of up in the, the top of the thigh, which is where he was kind of indicating he was hurt, you know, initially. Um, but if the hamstring's injured along the entire course, being from the top to the bottom by the knee, I mean, that could certainly make the recovery longer. And what would the training staff do to try to keep him from re-injuring that hamstring? Because that's always a concern unless you really lay out for a long time. Definitely, yeah. So to your point, the first the first step is, of course, rest to give that injured area a chance to recover. But from there, you're really working on gentle strengthening to kind of get the rest of the muscle fibers going to protect the area that's injured until it can protect itself. So the name of the game is getting the strength back followed by endurance and balance, and that's when you start to see return to play. But any, any type of taping or anything else that they can do prior to the game to try to help? It's a hard area to tape, um, you know, with it being up there by where you sit, by the issue. Um, so it's not typically an easy way to tape that without restricting your mobility. 
you know, in this um, last game against Georgia Tech on the road, uh, Beekman played 26 minutes and 45 seconds. So basically 27 minutes uh, on the floor. And um, his plus minus was 23. You know, that means he's valuable. Which means they want him on the floor as much as possible. Right. Um, My question to you, uh, Dr. Rowe, is, you know, how how can Tony and his staff um, manage his time in such a way that they don't rush him back? Because when he's on the floor, Virginia goes on these runs and, you know, they play much better defense when he's on the floor and they run the offense usually better when he's on the floor. Um, How do they manage the time with him? Because, you know, he's obviously a very valuable player. He's an incredibly valuable player and very explosive too, which frankly puts him at risk for further injury. So, I mean, to your point, load management is a difficult thing because you don't know until you know. Now now that we have more, you know, kind of improved or advanced metrics, we can do more side-to-side comparisons of strength and balance and that sort of thing. So I'd imagine a lot of that is going on in the kind of the rehab center with UVA having the resources that it has. So that can at least give you some objective measures as to what we're doing next. But there's, there's no easy way to really predict load management. I'm amazed he can go first and second half. I tore calf once uh, during the season, and I could play for a half, but after the half, it tightened up, swelled up, couldn't no, play the second it. half. I'm, I mean, I'm amazed that they can keep that thing functioning. You were last of the tough guys. <laughs> well, that's right. usually what they want to do, but they want to keep it loose and warm. You don't want to You don't want to cool we're, off. But... We're, we're going to have to leave it there, mm-hmm. gents. Uh, Dr. O, thank you for uh, your call in tonight and uh, your insights concerning Reese Beekman. We hope you have a great start to the new year, sir. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you, uh, blessings. I'll take care. All right. All right. We're headed to break here. Come back on the other side. We get to bring back Dan Bonner, one of Habo's groomsmen. So I guess anybody could have been a groomsman in the wedding except Maloney. I mean, I got ripped off. All right. Listen, stay with us. Who's Talking continues when we come back. Be good. Can't beat the doors, baby. Uh, as we as we usher in a new year, Abo. Very nice, very nice. All right, we've got a great guest to help us uh, analyze basketball. None other than Dan Bonner. He's only been doing TV games as an analyst. What thirty years? He started when the games were black and white. Yep, and everybody <laughs> had the t- had the tall socks. They probably had the the knee uh, yeah. the knee pads, didn't they? Yeah. I had rabbit ears on my TV back when he started doing it. No, no. Uh, <laughs> and no, the pants weren't any shorter, right? Now the there's, but the scary thing is, see, I'm older than he is, so he he's got a good easy comeback. But uh, hey, Dan, uh, thanks for joining us Again. tonight on Who's Talking. Well, and Frank, let me tell you, it's not 30 years; it's 43. Is it? See, 43. Yes, that it was your jersey number, wasn't it? That was my jersey. Yes. So uh, that, this is a big year for you then. You know, it matches your jersey <laughs> number. But, hey, we want to get your ACC breakdown. But I, I know you uh, you called the Virginia game the other day. Uh, you did a terrific job, as always. I was uh, watching and listening. Yes, hold, hold on. High five. I heard his broadcast. Well done. Well done. I, I taught him well back in the day. <laughs> but, uh, 
Hey, speaking of the Who's, obviously uh, 25-0 run between the first and second half, but Virginia, when they make threes and force turnovers, they're going to be hard to beat. Uh, what did you think of the game on Saturday against Georgia Tech? Jim, I, I, you know, I think that your assessment is absolutely correct, and I'm not sure that Virginia has to force turnovers in that number you know, that they did against Georgia Tech. I think their defense is so good that they just have to continue to play defense the way they do. But I'm telling you, I think they have to make shots. If you look at their first six games of the season, uh, they were scoring at a rate equal to the 2019 team, and they were shooting the ball really well. And then they had a five-game little drop-off there. And I really think that the Cavaliers have to shoot the ball well overall. And I think they have to shoot the ball well from three. Uh, you know, they were averaging about seven and a half threes a game. And I said on the broadcast that I thought that they had to make nine or ten threes on a consistent basis to really keep the pressure on people. Virginia does a great job with defensive pressure. And I think they have a chance to have an absolutely outstanding season if they can also apply offensive pressure. You know, let me just one, one quick question to follow up. Obviously, they, they play, play Pitt tomorrow night up in Pittsburgh. Pitt's off to a, a pretty good start, 3-0 and in the league. They've won 9 out of 10. How, how do you break down the uh, Virginia-Pitt game? I think that's going to be a really tough game. I think it's going to be a close game. I think the atmosphere is going to be outstanding. Uh, I understand that when Pitt played North Carolina up in Pittsburgh. The Peterson Events Center was like the old days. And so I think that's what you're going to see again. Uh, the people in Pittsburgh, I think, are starved for some uh, basketball success. Uh, I mean, when Jamie Dixon really had it going at Pitt, a Pitt Panthers ticket was as hard a ticket to get as any sports ticket in the town. And you know as well as I do, Bob, that that's a really great sports town. So I expect a really competitive game I expect a close game, and I expect it will come down to whether or not Virginia can make enough threes to win that game. So um, no disagreement on my part. Um, Dan, when you're, when you're watching Pitt now as compared to the last couple of years where they seemed they would seem to play well in stretches and then they would lose their focus, watching Pitt this year, they look more focused – and they seem to sustain their effort for longer stretches this year. Um, is this the type of game that maybe will bring out the best in the Cavaliers? I think it better. Uh, I think that this is the type of the game that Virginia is going to have to play well to win. This is a pit team, Frank. They've they have had a hard time sustaining things because they've really been racked by injuries. Uh, they've had some immaturity, but now they've got, they've got guys who are healthy. Their backcourt is as healthy and as stable and as good as it's been, I think, probably since Jeff Capel's been there. I think that they have other players on the inside besides John Hughley, so they don't have to have everything dependent on him to score inside. They've done a really nice job in the transfer portal. This Hinson guy's coming in, scoring very, very effectively for him. They have depth, which they haven't had before. So this is, you know, it's still early in the season. Uh, it's still too early to make any judgments about anybody. But you beat North Carolina, that gets my attention because I think the Tar Heels are pretty good. Yeah, speaking of Carolina, obviously uh, 
they're off to a much slower start than a lot of people expected. What what do you think is going on down in uh, Chapel Hill? Jim, I don't think anything's going on. I think that, uh, you know, November and December, uh, even though it's not anymore because the way they do these net rankings uh, makes it hard, but coaches have to spend November and December developing their teams. I think North Carolina was very overrated at the start of the year. You cannot take out a piece like Brady Manick and say, okay, we got another guy who can also shoot three, so we'll just drop it in there and he'll be fine. Then they had some injury issues. The Johnson kid, Pup Johnson, was hurt uh, and didn't play in the preseason. And then he came back to play, and, you know, you got to fit people in there. Caleb Love hasn't shot the ball well. One of the big keys to their NCAA tournament one was both Caleb Love and R.J. Davis shot the ball very well. So I think this is a North Carolina team that is still developing. I don't think at this point, Jim, that they have a loss that has not been a quad one loss. Uh, And when you play on the road and Pitt, uh, when they played Pitt, Pitt's uh, net ranking was 70. And so if North Carolina is playing them on the road, that's one through 75 makes North Carolina, that's a quad one game for them. So they lost that game. But, yes, they have lost games, but they've lost games to very good teams. And let's remember, they were not the dominant team in college basketball until that, those six games in March. Well, those, those tend to be the six that count a lot. But uh, looking, <laughs> at the, looking at the rest of the ACC. Well, hold, uh, hold, 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 hold. Before you jump on that bus, um, Dan, what is going on with Caleb Love? R.J. Davis for Carolina seems to be playing solid ball, but the other guard is – he's out in left field. He's hes only getting five, seven points a game. Well, I don't know that he's out in left field. He just has not shot the ball well yet. Uh, and let's, let's keep in mind that Caleb Love's career three-point shooting percentage is not particularly high. It's not like 23% or something, but it's in the low 30s. So this is not a guy who is going to be a high-percentage three-point shooter, but he's a guy who's capable of getting very hot and scoring a lot of points, and that's what he did down the stretch last year. And I think that when he gets on a roll, then that makes North Carolina much better. So I think the Tar Heels are just a developing team. They're good enough that they are going to be extremely competitive in the ACC. I would be stunned if they didn't you know, play their way into at least an at-large bid in the NCAA tournament. And as they demonstrated last year, all you got to do is get in, and then you have a chance. Well, and they, they clearly have talent, and uh, I, I fully expect they're going to put it together and be a force to be reckoned with come March. But just, I started to ask you, overall in the ACC, I, I guess Pitt is one of the early surprises. Clemson 3-0. and Miami 4-0, but I think everybody expected Miami to be pretty good. Any Anybody that really has uh, jumped out at you early on in the uh, season from the ACC perspective, either having a, a better-than-expected or less-than-expected season thus far? Uh, Jim, I think in, in terms of the better-than-expected, uh, to be perfectly honest with you, I think Virginia is better than a lot of people expected. I know the Cavaliers were rated very highly, but the Cavaliers have been as high as the number two team in the country, and I think they still have an awful lot of potential. And uh, so I think Virginia is a little bit of a surprise to me. Everybody thought Miami was going to be good, but I don't, I don't know anybody thought they were going to be this good. And Clemson is a team on terms of positives who has really <laughs> impressed me. Uh, they're finally getting healthy. 
P.J. Hall is, has overcome the injury issues that he dealt with in the preseason. And I think so. I think in, in terms of positives, I think obviously Pitt, as you mentioned, but Miami has, has been a very pleasant surprise to be as good as they are. I think the Cavaliers are a surprise to be as good as they are. And I think Clemson has been a very pleasant surprise. On the other end, it is absolutely stunning what has happened at Louisville and Florida State. And they have struggled so much that that, I mean, if you play Louisville, you're playing a quad four game, no matter where you play them. So if you win that game, your net ranking goes down. And if you lose that game, it is an absolute disaster if you're like on the bubble to try to get an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament. So I think on the negative side, Louisville and Florida State have been big surprises to me. Yeah, it's amazing because particularly given Louisville's history, uh, but you know, I think I think they're happy with the new coach, and I assume he'll be able to re- rebuild the program. You mentioned Clemson; uh, they play Virginia Tech Wednesday night. That, that should be a heck of a game uh, in Blacksburg, given Clemson's playing well and Tech needs to win a game. Well, you know it, that that will be a very good game, and Virginia Tech is a team that I left off the list that I probably shouldn't have because I think they've been a very pleasant surprise. They, you know, that, that loss to Boston College. Uh, that's that's a bad loss for them, uh, and it may be a worse loss down the road. But I think they're they're very good. They're a team that again they're a lot like the Cavaliers. They got to make shots, and of course everybody's got to make shots. But uh, I think Virginia Tech is one of those teams that if they're making shots on a consistent basis, they can really put offensive pressure on you and and be a very very difficult out. That's going to be a fascinating game uh, involving uh, the Clemson Tigers and the Hokies. And it's interesting. We've talked ACC basketball now for 10 minutes and haven't mentioned Duke. Uh, talk to me about Duke. Uh, I, I assume they're young, but uh, very good again. Well, obviously they are very good, Jim. Uh, and we didn't talk about them because we were talking about surprises and disappointments. And I think Duke is right about where I expected them to be. They're, they're very talented, uh, but they're very young. So they're going to have their ups and downs. But They've also been dealing with some injury issues, so I don't know that they've played at their peak yet. But, I mean, for heaven's sakes, we just started January. It's not time to be playing at your peak. But I think, I think Duke is going to be right there. Uh, I think if Duke does not win the regular season in the ACC, they'll be in the top three. I think, obviously, they'll be a threat in the uh, ACC tournament. And I think that they will get a good enough seed in the NCAA tournament that they can be a factor there, too. So, we haven't talked about Duke because we're not surprised that they are what they are. Hey, as Bobby Cremins would say, Duke is Duke. Uh, before yeah. I let you go, one last question. How many ACC teams right now get in the NCAA tournament? Well, Jim, I think that's an interesting question. You know, I think that, uh, you know, simply based on – you can't just base it on the net rankings – uh, because that's you know the net your net ranking is an important is as important as your opponents because that's your do this quad one quad two stuff. I think that the ACC is looking right now at five maybe six. Uh, I think if you include Pitt in there, I think North Carolina State <coughs> has, has played well enough. You know they're uh, they have won games on the road, but uh, no. So I, I think you're looking at five or six. Uh, All right. You know well. again. That's, it's all going to come down to what happens uh, in the conference. Uh, you know, if the teams beat one another up uh, and if and they lose games to people like Boston College and Florida State and Louisville, then it's going to be very difficult for that team, a team that loses those kind of games, uh, to get an at-large bid to the tournament. But, 
before anybody gets all in a panic, Jim, we've got another couple of months to go before actually anybody gets in. I can say with complete confidence that nobody has made the tournament yet. Well, that's true. That's true. It's still early. But hey, and we'll give you another. We'll give you another crack. We'll have you on uh, before the tournament begins, and we'll take a look at it in March. But anyway, Dan, happy New Year to you. Thanks for your time as always, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon, and hopefully see you at a Virginia game. Okay. Thanks, guys. Happy New Year. All right, Dan Bonner. Thanks, Dan. Uh, always like to have Dan on. We're going to go to our last break. When we come back, we still have Bobby uh, Bobby Call in studio, so we'll. We'll talk to him maybe about the uh, national championship game, among other things. Stay tuned. You're listening to Who's Talking. Jimmy Page, first guitar solo, first album, first song, side one, Led Zeppelin one. You're in the wrong gig. You have to be a DJ somewhere, huh? Well, let me tell you something. Nobody ever forgets this. Have you ever heard that? As a youngster, you you either loved it or you went running for the hills. Anyway, enough about Led Zeppelin. Um, Bobby Call seated to my right. Bobby, let's talk about uh, what Tony Elliott and his staff are doing right now uh, in the portal and in the high school recruiting ranks, knowing that they've got one more chance to land a few more key players. We've identified positions where they need to improve their depth. Cornerback is obvious. Anthony Anthony Johnson graduated, and Fentrell Cypress is now a, a Seminole. So he's got to find cornerbacks. Number two, he needs offensive linemen. Uh, how you do that without an offensive line coach is a mystery to me, but maybe he can pull a rabbit out of his hat. What do you think? It'll be tough, though, right? We were looking at the transfer portal. What, one offensive lineman left? Yeah. Because uh, you'd like to have experience on your team. That's for yep. sure. Um, and getting back to the D-backs, you know, man, I hope they can cover well. You know, if you got speed, you got to be able to cover as well and kind of, you know, anticipate things and watch the quarterback, play your position. I mean – you know, it's all. It's not just all speed. It's well. Like I thought covering. they. I thought they were coming around last year, and I, I hated to see the fact that Cypress is leaving, because Cypress was starting to show mm-hmm. signs of becoming a real stud, getting his hand on more balls that are yeah. in the air, um, and and also he was in the vicinity uh, of the receiver and the ball at the same time far more frequently this year than he was in previous years. And you know, you got to play, it's almost like you got to attack the the offensive guy. He's pushing you. Mm-hmm. You got to hold on to him. And it's just whether you get called or not. It's it's amazing. I mean, you guys hear things. Are they close to hiring an offensive line coach or do you hear anything? Well, the only thing I've heard is the uh offensive line coach at Air Force. I know that they they've pitched him um I think I think Tony Elliott has talked to the offensive line coach at Georgia Southern. I didn't see anything that that uh, implied that it was moving beyond a phone call. This coach that's at um, Air Force, they just need to open up the wallet. Go ahead and get him. Obviously, he knows Rudzinski. Rudzinski is already – that's the defensive coordinator, folks. Uh, obviously, if Rudzinski is recommending him – just do it. You to not have an offensive line coach right now. It's a bad is, time. You got. Oh you got to have them. 
You got to get them and go get them. Hopefully, it's just money and they'll pony up. Do it because without it, without Pretty him, good. we're in trouble. Well, I didn't think that Garrett Tujigay was the be all end all. I never did. I mean, we never did. We never had good run blocking while he was there, and they were tolerable in pass blocking, I guess. Um, I'm sure there are people out there that are going, oh, what does he know? Well, I've, I've watched and, and script and chart every game. So I always write notes in the margins, and <clears throat> I always thought Garrett Tujigay was a lot of hot air, honestly. Well, also, you know, Brandon Armstrong was such a good passer. We, yep. we relied on that for so many years, and then last year we just didn't have the run game. We haven't had a run game, really. Haven't had a run game in, you know, not since Thomas Jones. And we've had I'm great running backs. I'm just kidding. I mean, we really had a great running game. Antone Womack. You oh. played for Al Grove. You guys maybe. are uh, causing me to be concerned here uh, well, relative to the future. I, I, it can be repaired, but would you rather this thing turned around in two or three years or five? Uh, I'd like to see a turnaround next year, but uh, it, certainly it, two or three. We we don't have five years. Tony Elliott doesn't have five. I years. don't think Pe- Tony, people will not be that patient. I don't think Tony Elliott's going to get five years. I think you got to. Gonna, he's going to have to just build some momentum, get some victories, and you know, get some get some attraction. And hopefully yeah. he can. I hope he can. And the problem like the him. problem you have is the guy at TCU, Sonny Dykes. Look at what he's done in his first year. And even the guy at Duke, you well, know, he, he goes to a bowl and wins a game at Duke, wins well, nine games. I, I think that's a better comparison. Well, it's, it's more comparable. Sonny, Sonny Dykes, he went to a school that has been knocking on the door for 20 years. TCU has been dangerous for a long time. Well, they look at the talent. Look at the talent they've got. Speaking My of that, goodness. Next prediction show. of the game. Next, oh, next week's show. show. Quick, We've got to get quick. that. Steve DeShazo, the freelance star. How do you did I pronounce it? DeShazo. DeShazo and, and Lee Raker uh, and Dr. Jody Smith from Worth Virginia will all join us next week in advance of the National uh, Football Championship game between so, let, so let's talk about um, the college football playoff real quickly. Number three, TCU shocked Michigan. Michigan was a overwhelming favorite. Uh, Georgia survived an embarrassing loss. I mean, they came very close to not even making the championship game. Georgia is favored by 13 and a half points the last time I looked against TCU. And I, if I am a TCU fan, I, I definitely want to make TCU – uh, the the pick take they, they take cover. the points yeah. take the points all right Dylan We're, Horton and TCU yeah Max Duggan 